Dana Schwartz here, host of the brand new podcast, Popcorn Book Club, where four of my smartest, funniest friends and I are talking books that have gotten the Hollywood treatment. Listen to Popcorn Book Club on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. On W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Good morning, Australia, and good evening, America. How are you all doing? It feels like ages since I've been on the show with you, but I know that we've only missed one week, so I could have a day off. Um, We've been having all sorts of fun in Australia with the internet and everything else that's been going on. How are you going in America? I know in Florida that it's a concerning time for you. I know the there's a lot of stuff happening happening in the political arena and so I'm hoping that you're all doing okay and that you're all managing to stay safe. Uh, we love to hear from you on Radio Tony so if you want to drop a message into the chat box uh, we will try and answer your questions. But on to today's beautiful guest. My friend from Canada, Deb Crow, is an author, podcaster, and speaker. And Deb's education and career has been in disability case management, where she specialised in neurotrauma from uh, 1990 to 2013. After 23 years as an entrepreneur in the medical legal sector, Deb transitioned to become a certified executive and business coach. Deb coaches mid to upper level management and C-suite executives to disrupt their habits of thinking using a science-based assessment that is based on metacognition. Deb is also the founder of the Women's self Care Conference, which launched in Ontario in 2018 and in Toronto in 2019. And then Deb took a conference across Canada to empower all women that self-care is not selfish. Deb lives her life by her own unique design and she frequently speaks on self-care across Canada. She's co-authored four books 
She's working on her fifth book and has recently launched an online course called How to Master Self-Care. And she has an amazing new podcast called Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. So I am really pleased to welcome Deb live onto Radio Tony today. Good morning, Deb, or good evening for you. Oh, we need Deb to unmute her her microphone now. Um, whilst we get Deb to do that, uh, we will be talking to Deb about her books and her life and there we go. Have we got you live yet, Deb? You do. I love technology. Yay. How are you? Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. I'm delighted to be here. I am so glad that we have you here live on the show. I was just telling the listeners before we got you here that there has been no end of internet and technology issues for me and many, many other people. I'm not sure what's going on out there in the internet world, but it's not fun and it leaves me with a few uh, breathless moments. But I'm so glad to have you on the show this morning, Deb. How are you doing all the way from uh, Canada? I am doing well. It's a lovely evening here. We're, we're still on August the 12th on this side of the globe. Yes. But again, just yes. really delighted to be spending time and thank you so much for inviting me. It's my pleasure. We had so much fun the other day talking uh, together on Deb's podcast, Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And so now I've got the pleasure of talking to Deb live on the show. Deb, let's start about uh, start with your books. So you've co-authored four books. Can you tell our listeners what those books are about? Absolutely. So the first book that I was involved in was a collaboration called the Change Book Series. And it was consultants and coaches and teachers. And what I loved about uh -huh. it was it was so multifaceted. It covered many different topics and subjects. So I was pleased to be involved in, in two volumes of that. And that was actually my first podcast that I started uh, as a result uh -huh. of that book series. The second yeah. book that I co-authored was all about gratitude. And again, it was a combination of people from all walks of life. And I think the commonality was that most of us had experienced a deepened level of grief and trauma in our lives. So it was a bit of a serendipitous moment for me yes. to be involved in such a great project and really a heart-centered project. And then the third uh, book that I co-authored uh, was around self-care. And that was kind of the vehicle to get things going with my, my conference series. And then mm -hmm. I also co-authored a, a midlife uh, journal with another uh, coach in the States. And now I'm kind of working on book five, and I'm not sure if it's going to be about self-care or if I'm going to take another spin or a different turn and uh, have it be kind of auto uh, biography of my own life. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I know from talking to lots of people that there's a real push towards teaching people about self-care. I know in my own life that it took me a really long time to grasp the concept 
understand and then actually implement in its life, in my life. So what has self-care and learning about self-care meant for you, Deb? Well, in my first role as a disability case manager, when I opened that business at the tender age of 24, I didn't yeah. know I didn't know what I didn't know. And I did that okay. job. I owned that business, that first part of my entrepreneurship for 23 years. And what I realized yeah. was I didn't want to be that person getting the diagnosis, getting the prescription medication, and then pondering and sitting back going, how did I get here? And I realized my role as a case manager that I was really a generalist. And I thought, what can I do to no longer be a generalist, but a preventionist? And I thought, I need to teach people strategies and tools and techniques to implement self-care before the diagnosis, before the terminal illness, before they're in palliative care. And it was just, I kept getting claim after claim after short-term disability claim of managers and leaders and executives and CEOs. And I just thought, I need to have a bigger purpose here. And not that I didn't enjoy that job, much like when you were a nurse, I loved it. I loved the direct patient care, but I just felt that I was put on the earth to do something better with the knowledge and the experience that I have. And that's when I decided to switch over into coaching. Yeah. And that's been a wonderful change for you, hasn't it, Deb? It has. It's. I'm in my ninth year and... You know, there's that old cliche, do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life. And that's how I feel. Hence the life by design. Yes, yes. And it's a different way of living. It does take a bit of courage to step into something. I know, and you probably experienced this too, Deb, when you've done something for so long that and you're good at it and there's a certain amount of love that you have for that and then you uh, change direction and do something that's quite quite different. There's a few um, heart-in-the-mouth moments, isn't there? I think there is, but I, I really gave myself the time and the space and yeah. I wanted to see what transferable skills I was bringing from being a disability case manager that would really serve me as a coach because I think both chosen vocations are servant leadership roles, if you will, just in different capacities. So I gave myself time and space and I didn't rush into anything because I wanted it to feel right. And you're right. There was, there was courage and grit and, you know, lots of failure and lots of, you know, sabotaging thoughts, like, why do I think I can do this? Or how, why am I even doing this? Or, you you know, why didn't, (laughs) yeah, why didn't I stay in the, in the safe land of case management? And uh, I I absolutely have no regrets. Yeah. I think that there's something beautiful that comes of uh, into your life when you just let go and go with that new direction, um, even though it can be a little scary um, and new. And yes, you do fail lots of times, you know, and you do have to battle those thoughts and talk that's in your head. And I think that even as far as you come and as well as you manage to quell those thoughts in your head, they still come, don't they, Deb? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, no one leaves a perfect life of positivity and fluency. It's, you know, whatever comes your way, it's your choice and your decision on how you choose to respond to it. Yes, most definitely. And so I know um, we touched on in the intro about your amazing uh, women's self-care conferences and that you launched in Canada in 2018. And I'm wondering, firstly, can you tell our listeners about those conferences? And then I want to know how this whole COVID has affected your dreams for those conferences. So the conference idea actually came to me when I closed my clinic uh, from being a disability case manager. And I just knew it wasn't the right time. So it's, you know, it's one of those good ideas that we just tuck up on the shelf. And when the time is right, we we pull it down. And it was the spring of 2018 that I thought now is the time. I had the shell I had the outline, the vision, everything was ready to go. I just needed to plug in the logistics. So, of course, I didn't have it in my my own city because you never want to fail in your own backyard. And I had it in Toronto. And, oh, my gosh, Tony, it sold out, like, quickly. And so the model was 150 women, and we had 15 vendors there, all related to different um, amenities to self-care. So then I got up on stage, and I announced to all of the women that I was going to take it across Canada. And then I got off the stage and had one of those aha entrepreneurial moments thinking, did I just say what I thought I was going to say? And I thought, (laughs) well, deep down, that's what I really must want to do. So in 2019, we took it out to Western Canada and then in the spring we went to Eastern Canada and then last fall we brought it to my home city and it sold out a month before. Of course you did, of course you did. And so the format of a women's self-care conference, tell me the sorts of speakers and the sorts of things you have within that conference. So every location had local speakers who were fluent experts in their own craft. So we covered Uh all the different elements of self-care. So emotional, physical, social, environmental. And I always brought a different speaker who was known where the conference was held. Uh So we, my goal was to break down the perception that self-care was a chocolate bar or a bottle of wine or a girl's night out, that it needed to be part of a thriving, healthy, cohesive mindset. So we would have different speakers. We had uh, a doctor come in who spoke about all the things that I saw when I was case managing. You know, when you get that number of high blood pressure or type two diabetes or chronic fatigue or Crohn's. And I, I wanted to capture the top five diagnosis that I saw when I was case managing. And I, and I didn't want it to be another women's conference with, you know, a cute little gift bag and for the women Uh not to go home without tools in their toolkit. So we would talk about the things that are really happening that they were experiencing. So it was real and transparent and authentic and relatable and help women realize what they were doing and that 
there was habits of thinking and negative behavior or they were grieving and they didn't know they were grieving. So there was a lot of aha moments during all of those conferences. And we were going to have our fifth conference this fall, which would have been the third annual. And I had to make the very difficult decision in April of 2020 to cancel it because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The, the, COVID situation across the world is is different in every country, but gosh, it's had an incredible impact on the way we do things. Have you had any thoughts about taking your amazing conferences for women online, Deb? Well, it's funny you say that. I when I had to when I had to refund. So the conference this year, we were doubling it. Yes. We were going to have 300 yes. women and 30 vendors. Prior, yeah. we did a pre-sale and we were 75% sold out and the vendors oh. were sold out during oh. the pre-sale. So I know the need is there. I know the want is there. So when I refund refunded all the women. They were so sad. And that's why I decided to create the how to master self-care online course, just to keep the fluency of what we were offering. Uh, Will I ever make it a virtual conference? You never know. Yeah, 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 yeah. An online course um, for women in this time in particular is incredibly important though, Deb. So, uh, I um, I, I'm talking to you thinking oh my god wouldn't that be great to bring that conference to Australia and then my uh, logical mind goes well it's not going to happen this year and it may not even happen next year but wouldn't it be good to think about that in the future I always look to the future and plan for the future and and try and work out what that um, might look like but it's such Uh, a fundamental thing that we need to be teaching our women from all ages and definitely from a a young age we need to talk to women about how they care for themselves because you're unable to care for others if you don't care for yourself. Hey Deb. Well absolutely and and I'd love to touch on two points when I when I was doing the short-term disability claims with the executives, I can tell you honestly and wholeheartedly, they all told me that they worked in toxic environments, the culture of the company, which saddened me greatly. And I also volunteer at hospice. And I can tell you uh-huh. as a yoga teacher, if you are swallowing your emotion and not speaking your truth, It's one of the things that I used to hear every week at hospice from people at end of life. Such an honor and privilege to hold someone's hand. And they would always say to me, I hope that you're living your life and speaking your truth because I didn't. And I, I didn't take those words lightly. I really, really attentively listened. And I thought, again... I have the power and the opportunity to make a difference in women's lives so that they don't get sick, they don't get some sort of disease. And again, I think the conference will resume, you know, when the time is right. And you never know, we might have a self-care down under. It's it's very, very <laughs> possible. As you know, Canada is one of my favorite places. My brothers lived there for uh, 30 years or so. And so any opportunity to do Canada, Australian and vice versa uh, 
work is always on my agenda in some way or form. So, Deb, the course that you created online, How to Master Self-Care, where can our listeners find that? So my website is debcrow.com and crow has an E on the end. And there's a menu at the top. There's a menu at the top, Tony, that says self-care school. And there's two Uh online courses there. And the first one is the one we're talking about on how to master self-care. And it'll take them directly to the page. And they can even preview it. I've opened up some of the chapters to uh, allow the, the modules, I should say, because it's it's yes, it's yes. self it's self paced. So I wanted to give anyone who's interested in looking at it a little opportunity to to get a little glimpse before they purchase it. Yeah, what a what a fabulous idea, though, Deb. Because often you look at things like that and think, oh, I'd like to do that, but what's in it? You know. It, that's a fantastic idea and a great note for people listening if they want to uh, think about looking at Deb's course. You get to see a little bit of what's in it before you actually do it. So, Deb, um, are you finding that women are taking advantage of this course during this time? I am. I think I, I think I developed it at the right time. Uh, I've had a couple of companies actually have me take groups through a couple of different departments. Um, so I have had a few cohort groups go through and had some really lovely feedback and they love it because once you buy it, you have it for your life. So it's always a nice reminder. And there's also, uh, on my website, Tony, there's a menu that says, uh, self-care tools. And I give Uh, away some of the tools for free, uh, that I used to hand out as well at the, uh, women's conferences. Oh, fantastic. So back to the conferences, um, you haven't got definite plans for 2021 or you're thinking about it? or I think in talking to some of my colleagues around the world who also do conference planning, I think right now, like everything else, I think we're in a bit of a holding pattern. And I think, you know, even for myself personally, I don't think any of us are in a hurry to get into a room with 300 people and nor are we permitted right now at Canada. We're still only, you know, even with social distancing, we're still only allowed groups of 10. I'm hopeful for the future that, you know, they will uh, come up with some kind of uh, immunization. But for now, um, you know, it's it's a dream that I achieved and it's one that I'd like to continue. So I'm just going to exercise my, my virtue of patience. And when the time is right, absolutely, we'll bring it back. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic to hear. And so you haven't decided completely on what the fifth book is going to be, but you think it might be a memoir or, or story of your life. Do you know when you book going to be finished Deb? Well interestingly enough I'm, I'm thinking of taking a little bit of uh, hiatus the end of August 1st of September. I've, I've got a lot of the writing done and uh, I think I might just take a few weeks and just uh, blitz through it and, and get it done. I'd love to, uh, to see it published and, and have that be the start of 2021. That's kind of the goal right now. Yes. Yes. And August and September is a lovely time of year in Canada, isn't it? It is. I love fall. It's it's a 
I don't know, it's a sense of renewal for me, even though it's not the new year as per the calendar. For me, it's, uh, I think when everybody goes back to structure and routine, even though we may not go back to what we know, but September yeah. in Canada is one of my favorite months. I'm, I'm a lover of the fall. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I like um, autumn and spring. They're my favorite times of year. The the outside of the, the full seasons, I just, I feel the same as you do. I feel very renewed and it's very inspiring. And so as you go into fall, we go into spring. Um, and it, it's lovely. It's not too hot yet. Um, and uh, it, it's just a, a beautiful time of year. So besides the authoring of the books, you have an amazing podcast called Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And I must say that it was it has been one of the most beautiful podcasts I've been invited to be on. So can you tell our listeners a bit more about the podcast? Where did it start and who do you talk to? So the podcast literally came as a creation from COVID-19. As an executive coach, I've been talking and coaching a lot of my clients who are managers and leaders on executive teams as uh, executive positions, board of directors, and CEOs. And I wanted Uh to be able to showcase heart-centered leadership, but the imperfection that comes with leadership, especially in the time of a crisis pandemic, because nobody had a file that they could open to say, okay, what did we do during the last pandemic? Well, that was a hundred years ago and nobody was here. At least, at least any, at least anybody that's leading. So I just sought out leaders. I made a list of 100 people I wanted to talk to. I had another list of people that I was watching and researching. And then I have another list of people who've uh, asked to be on the show. And uh, there's 107 people on the request list, which I'm very grateful for. Wow. And uh, I'm trying to get to as many countries as I can and interview as many heart-centered leaders as I can, because I believe heart centers leaders lead in their chosen sector with imperfection. And I've just had such beautiful, rich conversations. And it it literally was so busy right out of the gate uh, in May. We're coming up on uh, Friday will be our three-month anniversary. And we we hit a couple milestones. Uh, Last week, we hit uh, our listenership is in 32 countries. And this week we hit a thousand downloads. So I'm just ecstatic Yay! and it's showing me that people are loving this. And it's just like I experienced with you. It's just a beautiful, fluent, free flowing conversation. No questions uh, given before so that we can really capture the essence of your leadership in the moment. And uh, I'm just, I'm just absolutely having a blast and so much joy doing it. And I look forward to continued conversations uh, with leaders around the globe. Yeah, it, it really is a wonderful podcast. And the theme of heart-centered leadership, um, I'm talking to lots of people and that heart-centered leadership, heart-centered businesses, heart-centered seems to be, um, I'm reluctant to use the word, the the phrase buzzword, but there seems to be a growing focus on heart-centered whatever, 
the way you lead your life, the way you run your business. And so, Deb, I'm I'm thinking that you're probably finding, like I'm finding, that we are, as a humanity, increasing our consciousness about all things heart and spirit-centred versus the way we used to live, which was completely different. Do you think you're seeing that as well? Oh, absolutely. I think COVID was the Earth's way of saying, you know, I, I'm going to... I'm going to shut everything down and we're going on a big pause. I, I think yeah. I think the warp speed that the world has been heading in yes. since the implementation of technology has been unhealthy. And I also think that COVID-19 has also shown us that leaders who got comfortable and sat in complacency are are no longer in those positions. So I have to say COVID-19 in the context of my description and my exposure has been very positive. I think there's a lot of families that are back together. They're having dinner together. I think a lot of people just got to really have a little bit of solace and embrace this pause. And I think a lot of good things have come out of it. And I hope that if and when we return, it's not at the pace and the level we were at. I actually don't think that we will return to normal as we knew it before COVID. I think that we will have a new normal. And I think that anyone, particularly in leadership, who's taken the time to have that pause think about their lives and think about the way that they live their lives, we will come out with a better humanity. And I'm also hoping that that toxic level of leadership um, that that we see, and I, I cautiously say the white male toxic leadership that we've seen across the world, I hope very much that we will see us an end to that sort of leadership and we will see the rise of more people who are heart-centered and that for them leadership is not about power it's about empowering people and it's not about uh getting the most uh liked it's not a popularity contest it's actually about what's best for the people and what's best for the people not sacrificing the the minority or or the humanity that are downtrodden in our lives and it i think that that sort of leadership takes a stronger person and a person who's done the hard work and healed and worked on the imperfections in their life and are happy to show up as imperfect. Um, I don't know about you, Deb, but I would really like to see that change of leadership slowly go out in waves across the world where we see uh, genuine uh, focus on equality of humans that we see less of the uh, gaps between the haves and the have-nots because there is enough abundance, money, love and all of those good things out there to enrich every single human being on this planet. 
And the way we do that is we start empowering from heart-centered leadership points. Do you oh, think, Deb? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I really believe, again, as you do, Deb, that COVID was the universe's way of saying, hey, you're going to sit down, you're going to take time, you're going to chill out, and I'm going to create something that's going to make you do that. So for the vast number of people who are fighting, and I say fighting um, in terms of, you know, conspiracy theory and I don't have to wear a mask and I shouldn't be shut down and I should be able to do what I want to do and I have rights, etc., etc. I'm really hoping that the COVID situation helps stop some of those thoughts because your right to protest, hold a gun, not wear a mask comes with responsibilities. You cannot enter the world thinking that you have these rights and none of the responsibilities that go with it. So, Deb, do you see some of those things happening in Canada? Because we're seeing some of that happen in Australia. I'm not sure I'm seeing it in America. And I feel heartsick for America and Americans as a whole. What do you think, Deb? Oh, I, I'm just going to concur with you because even though it's not happening there, I, I still think as a whole, as a world, I think we're all globally impacted. I think our, our address yes. doesn't really matter because yes. most people lead with, with empathy at some of the horrible things that have happened this year. So like you, I'm, I'm hoping for a shift. I'm hoping the fall is going to bring bring in the new and that we get back to, like you say, the new normal. But you know, just treating people the way you want to be treated, uh, regardless of race or ethnicity or culture or religion. Um, I definitely think we're both on the same page there. And, and, and I feel very aligned with what you just said. Yeah, I, I feel very strongly that the, the virus was, was sent to bring some people to their knees, and rightly so. And for others of us, it's been that pause that we needed. It's need. It's been that reflective time to sit back and think about your life. And uh, I know that there are terrible situations. I know that there has been immense death. I know that there's been immense struggle. But the other side of all those bad things, there has to be good things that come from this time. There has to be change across the uh, the earth and the world stage. There has to be change when we've experienced such incredible uh, hardship. Um, again, Deb, from my perspective, I, I agree with you. This has been a, a, a two-pronged time for me. So it's been a time of quiet reflection and as you know I tend to be a very empathetic person so the first wave of the of COVID when we were all locked down that time felt to me um, as a deep time of sadness and grieving and and I it was bad and then as it lessened I started to come out the other side and and felt better and better and now in what some would say is a a uh, second wave or, or it it feels like the world is almost emerging 
like a chrysalis. Well, that's that's my hope. That's my real hope that people will emerge empowered, inspired, and different after this time. I think I think you're right, and I'm I'm hoping. I I know we're there's a lot of talk that uh, the next wave is coming, and I I hope that it, it doesn't. But like you said, I I'm hoping people will just realize the basic message out of this washing our hands keeping our social distance wearing a mask it's not a lot that all of our countries are asking for and if we can adhere to these you know minor strategies we're trying to eradicate this virus that has taken so many lives and i i person personally know four people who've passed from this and it's it's a saddened conversation that it doesn't matter who we talk to going forward someone will be connected to someone who they loved that passed away due to COVID-19. So I just, you know, I, I remain hopeful. I'm always the eternal optimist. And I, yeah, I, I pray I'm for those countries that are, are not as uh, forthright or maybe uh, as well-led as Canada. I'm, I'm proud to live here. I think our leadership yes. is great. I think our country as a whole has done well. The city I live in has done well. And uh, I yes. just have to remain hopeful because that's the constant yeah. that I can bring. So it's like we talked about before. It's the decision yeah. and, and the mindset that I'm choosing to have. Yeah. And I um, across social media, there is so much talk about uh, the conspiracy and, and fake numbers and those sorts of things. I don't think that that's what this is about. I think, like you do, Deb, that this is part of an evolving of humanity. And I think that we need, there needs to be some acceptance around what's happened. I don't think that it's helpful for anyone to say, oh, the virus doesn't exist or it's not as bad as they say, or et cetera, et cetera. The evidence would suggest otherwise. Yes, some people get this virus and it's like a common cold. Other people get it and they die. And then there's the group of people in between. And then there's those that have ongoing post-viral symptoms, which are are really difficult. So I think that this is meant to cause people to reflect on their humanity and reflect on their lives and think, gosh, I'm lucky to be alive. I'm lucky that we live in this time. I'm lucky that we have the technology which enables us to talk to each other from Australia to Canada to uh, Rebel in um, Florida, sorry, Louisiana, um, and how incredibly lucky we are as human beings to live in this time and that we have this moment in time to reflect and change who we are, better ourselves, and why not learn from amazing teachers like Deb and her self-care products or take the time to listen to a wonderful podcast. And again, Deb's podcast, Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast, is really wonderful and it's a lovely time uh, spent with Deb, usually around half an hour. Deb, are they usually around half an hour? Around half an hour, yep. Which is not a lot of time. 
um, and you can listen to podcasts on the run just like you can listen to the podcast of Radio Tony uh, as well as the live show. Your podcast can be listened to while you walk. They can be listened to while you run. You can listen to them in the car. You can take that time and it should also be part of what you do to care for yourself. So taking half an hour to listen to an inspirational podcast should be part of everyone's self-care package, men and women alike. Don't you think, Debbie? Absolutely. I think uh, self-care is not selfish is my tagline. And a lot of people, you know, we all have the same 24 hours, regardless of where we live. It's it's how we choose to spend the time. So if all of your listeners could take one hour a day, it doesn't have to be a fluent hour. It could be two 30 minutes. It could be four 15 minute segments. That's only 4% out of your whole day. And when you take that time for yourself, whether it's morning routine or a little break at lunch, you show up and can serve others so much better because you're full, you're whole. Deb, before we run out of time this morning, I wanted to ask you, what is in your self-care package? What do you do that keeps Deb going and in, in inspired and getting up every morning? So I have a pretty stringent uh, morning routine. I'm an early bird, so I don't stay up late. The first thing I do is I have a wonderful gratitude journal that was given to me on my 50th birthday. And it's called the, it's called the five minute journal. So I do five minutes of gratitude in the morning, as soon as I get out of bed. And then I do it again, right before I go to bed. And that literally takes five minutes. I then do anywhere from a 10 to 15, sometimes 20 minute meditation. I set my intention for the day. I allow my mind to get quiet because a quiet mind is always full of clarity, which is what we need during the day as entrepreneurs. And then I will do some type of movement. And depending on the weather, uh, I will go in the morning. So whether I walk or take a run or ride my bike, some sort of movement, sometimes I'll just do some basic yoga. And then I just find when I start with that regiment in the morning, my day always unfolds beautifully. Whatever is thrown at me, you're just able to handle it better because you're organized, you're structured, you're disciplined, and you've got a mind that's full of clarity. Yeah, yeah. So they're not hard uh, elements to incorporate into your life, are they, Deb? They're not. The hardest part is starting and the second part is sustaining it. It's a behavior, right? Yes. Yes. And it takes a certain amount of time to make a behavior become a habit. And it's always good to start in small bits. So I know when I started meditation, I think back then I could last like two minutes. (laughs) which sounds pretty terrible. But now there'll be times when I meditate for up to an hour and it's usually that first thing in the morning or or last thing at night or both and sometimes even in the middle of the day if the day has been challenging, um, I will stop at lunchtime and have that downtime sit, put my feet up and listen to something um, on my phone. I've got meditation um, on my phone, a whole heap of different programs that relate to anything that could possibly be going on that I need to just clear my mind for. 
And as you said, Deb, you can start really small on those little elements of self-care, but gosh, they make a difference. And gratitude, I've heard lots of people talking about gratitude recently, and I can only concur, as as you would, that that gratitude practice, be that physically writing it down or sitting and thinking about all the things that you are grateful for. And there is always something to be grateful for no matter what you're going through no matter how bad life is you will be able to find something to be grateful for and once you start with that one thing it then compounds and becomes bigger and easier to be grateful it does amazing things for your mind and brain doesn't it Deb oh a hundred percent and like you said you know Even in the midst of a global pandemic, we still have lots to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. Definitely. And uh, again, the grateful or uh, gratitude journaling also triggers your mind into a more positive state. So if you're really struggling and life is tough, If you just sit for five minutes or even just two minutes and think of all the things you can be grateful for, the people you have in your life, the food on your table, the, the, um, the weather, the sun shining, it doesn't have to be something big and bold. It can be as small as a beautiful flower that you've just walked past, um, a smiling child, those are all things that you can be grateful for and they might seem like tiny things but when you put them all together and get your mind focusing on those good things in your life and be grateful for them, it brings a change into your life. And Deb, so I wanted just to touch quickly, you're a yoga practitioner. How do you think that yoga has helped in your life? Oh, many, many ways. Just learning the theory uh, above and beyond the practice was amazing. It was uh, a year-long commitment, and it was hard. Um, I think the biggest (laughs) thing that I learned was, again, just it sounds easy, but just the ability to always have and sustain clarity and, and equanimity. And, and having equanimity yes. in, in all that we say and that we do and how we respond to things and just, you know, uh, an, a heightened awareness of, of calmness in all that I do, not to mention yes. all the physical benefits that it offers. Yes. And you can do it anywhere. And it, and like do it in front of the TV with YouTube. Like YouTube is has a wealth of yoga from beginner to expert. Just flick it on and do it in front of the TV. It, it you know it doesn't have to be complicated, does it? No, not at all. It's like I said before, the hardest part is starting. Yes. Yeah. And again, you don't have to take on a um a year long uh, commitment like Deb. You can just go right. Monday morning, I'm going to do five minutes of yoga, and that's where it starts. And the practice of doing that 
for five minutes will grow into something bigger. And if you are like me that struggles sometimes with the thought of long, drawn-out things, I have to break things down into minutes. So I break them down to, right, I'm going to do two minutes of this, and every day I'm going to do two minutes of this, or every second day I'm going to do two minutes of this, or whatever it is that you want to implement into your life. You can always start big. You don't have to go all guns blazing <laughs> at the same time, Get do you, Deb? No, absolutely. You know, it's 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 one thing. It's to pick one thing and to be committed and to yeah. just start and and not have don't have any expectations for the outcome. Just have joy in the yes. journey. Yes, yes. Oh, Deb, look, it has been wonderful speaking to you. We are down to our last couple of minutes, and I just want to reiterate for our listeners, if you jump on Deb's website, which is in the chat box, it's D-E-B-C-R-O-W-E.com. Deb has a beautiful website, and not only will you find her How to Master Self-Care online course, you'll see links to her beautiful body podcast called Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast, and you will find all of Deb's links to her social media. I encourage you to reach out and connect with this beautiful woman who has amazing skills and knowledge to offer you in the realm of self-care. And if ever there was time to embark on a self-care practice, it's now. Deb Crow, thank you so much for being on Radio Tony Spotlight on the Authors. It's been a wonderful pleasure, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Oh, I do as well, and thanks again. It was a joy to to join you on your show and uh, wishing you all the best. Thanks, Deb. So, listeners, that is our lot for this week. Join me next week the same time. I'm Tony Lontis, and this is Radio Tony. Thanks, Deb. Thanks, Rebel. Bye for now. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony, with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom!